You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. I feel like I've spent Thursdays throughout the course of the season laughing at Thursday night football, at some terrible matchups, at teams that nobody's really interested in. I've been laughing at what we've been given in Thursday night as some sort of an excuse for reasons that we should even watch games that most of us don't care about. And now, finally, we have one we're talking about, and the conversations we're having around it are wrong. It's Spain and Fist on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I'm Jason Fitz, flying solo for the next couple of hours. You can check out my amazing co-host, Sarah Spain, crushing it on Around the Horn. She's sitting in as the host. She's doing great work, and that means I'm going to do great work here. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests are going to join us on the Goodyear Hotline, and we're going to let you be part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888 888- 729-3776 ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper College football's back and so are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper the one fans deserve. We're going to let you guys chime in a little later with some fun since we're not on tomorrow night because of the World Series. We're going to do some You Got One later on in the show where you get to pick the one thing that you're going to watch this weekend. But before we get there, we know the one thing you're going to watch tonight and that's going to be the Packers taking on the Cardinals. That's right. I said the Packers taking on the Cardinals, and it's a great Thursday. For once, we don't have a dumpster fire. For once, I don't have to justify to you why we're watching some Jacksonville team you don't give a damn about. For once, we might actually see two capable football teams. Now, as you just heard in the SportsCenter update, we have injuries galore out of this one. There's no Devontae Adams, no Alan Lazard, no Marquez Valdez-Scantling for the Green Bay Packers. We know no J.J. Watt. All of that creates some need for somebody to get in the zone. Obviously, get in the zone brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. That person likely going to be Aaron Jones. I would think that Aaron Jones is going to be how the Packers will generate any offense. So what's got me bothered about this? I think what's got me bothered about it is we've suddenly applied an NBA conversation to an NFL game. One of the failings of the NBA and the way we cover it is that we're so consumed with what's coming next, we forget to acknowledge what we're viewing right now. We become so consumed with what free agents eventually going to go play where, what person wants to be on what dream team, what super teams coming around the bend, what's going to happen in the playoffs, that we don't even acknowledge what's right in front of us or enjoy it. So now we finally have a Packers-Cardinals showdown that is absolutely worth watching. We have an undefeated Cardinals team that deserves this national media love. We have an undefeated Cardinals team that gets all sorts of conversation for their greatness on offense and might deserve every bit as much of the credit for the star power that they have playing well on the defensive side of the ball. And we have that Cardinals team taking on a Packers team that's playing well. But all we can talk about is Aaron Rodgers' future? Really? I don't give a damn where Aaron Rodgers is going to play next year. I just don't. You know when I care about Aaron Rodgers playing the location next year? Next year! What we should care about right now is for whatever the conversation was about what was going to happen in the NFL this season, what was going to happen with Aaron Rodgers, could they get their relationship right? What we know is the Packers are freaking 6-1. and one. The 6-1 and one Packers taking on the 7-0 Cardinals, and we're talking about the future Aaron Rodgers? Who cares? And we're talking about how happy he is today? Of course he's happy today. They're 6-1. And And in fact, one of the things that we'll talk about ad nauseum over the course of tonight is the lack of weapons, which is only funny to me because the very reason that we got ourselves in this pickle 
is that there's a concept that the Packers have never given him weapons. Now, whatever limited weapons he has are all gone, and we're still going to look at the Packers with that side eye and say, well, can you beat the Cardinals? Now, importantly, through all of this, uh, we always want to overanalyze the relationship, and uh, what's also good to know is that Aaron Rodgers is happy. In fact, on the Pat McAfee Show today, he lets you know he's having the time of his life. This is part of the fun. You know, the fun is obviously, I mean, look, I got my best friend in the league back to go to work with every day. I got the funniest dude in the world to drive down to practice with every day and, and David Bakhtiari. I got a great coaching staff that I love. I'm still in Green Bay and having the time of my life. And I get fun moments like this every single week. So life is about perspective. And I'm just daily counting the the blessings that I have in life and just have so much gratitude for, for these moments. And, and for the fact that I'm 37, I'm still playing and uh, still playing at a high level. I love it. I mean, frankly, I love his weekly visits with Pat. And uh, then the other portion portion of it is I love, like, he just openly acknowledges, like, he went to the team and said, you want to keep me happy? Trade for my best friend. I don't really know if he's going to have a big contribution on the field, but he's my best friend, so I want him here. And then he's like, I get to drive to work with Bakhtiar. Well, good. I'm glad your commute to work, which it must be brutal in Green Bay. It is not, by the way. I've been to Green Bay several times. It must be just a brutal commute there, right? I don't know how you're surviving it, Aaron. Like, at the end of the day, what should we be talking about? How about we talk about a Packers team? that through all of this turmoil, much as we've talked about with my beloved Raiders, none of it has taken them off track. How about we talk about a Packers team that's sitting at 6-1 and one, that, that is coming into a night where they are not going to have a lot of their weapons, but they do have Aaron Jones, one of two players with 1,500 yards rushing and 500 yards receiving since the start of 2020. Think about that. Caught 71% of his targets from Aaron Rodgers in his career, highest to any receiver with at least 60 attempts. Think about that. I mean... There's still going to be viable ways for the Packers to at least be competitive for a team that doesn't have weapons against an undefeated Cardinals team that, by the way, oh, cough, has a good defense. Like, there's a game here that really means so much to today, to this week, to this season, to playoff seeding, to right now in the NFC. And we're supposed to care where Aaron Rodgers wants to go to dinner next fall? I don't give a damn. Why do you? Why do any of us? Why are we so obsessed over whether he's happy? Because let me tell you something. If he's not happy, if Aaron Rodgers right now is miserable, who cares? He's 6-1. and one. Like, if you're a Packers fan, why do you care if he's happy today? You care if you're 6-1. and one. If you're a Cardinals fan, what do you care about? If you're a Cardinals fan, you care about that attention you've been craving. And this is what every fan base is doing. You know, I got the chance this afternoon to hang out with Raider Nation Radio for a while. You guys know my love of the Raiders. Raiders fans sitting here constantly saying, oh, my God, we don't get enough national love. National media doesn't care enough about us. And then I'll do a phoner every week with the ESPN radio affiliate 1025, the game that got me my start in Nashville. And Nashville says, we don't get enough love. Oh, we're going to talk to a player from the Cincinnati Bengals later today that doesn't get enough love. And every one of those teams can sit there complain. And the Cardinals are just say, hold my beer, boys. We're 7-0. and And we're worried about where Aaron Rodgers is going to play. Come on now. What I'm worried about is Rondell Moore and what he's going to do when he's taking on this defense. What I'm worried about is the fact that Zach Ertz has come in and he has shown immediately that he can make an impact. I was asked if he'd have a fantasy impact. I said, there's no touches left for him. Yes, there is. They proved that one week. I mean, this is a Cardinals offense that everybody has said a hundred times, oh, it can't last. You can't run this spread. 
you got a lot of people that were convinced Cliff Kingsbury didn't deserve the job in the first place, and myself being one that thought that uh, Kyler Murray was going to be okay. Wow, we're all eating a lot of crow. And this is like that Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode where he finds a crow and he eats crow at night. Next day he feels sick about it. That's how we all feel about this. Because we were all wrong. We were all wrong about it. Man, if I'm the Cardinals, that's what I'm worried about. I'm thinking all about that. Because tonight, on Thursday night, for once, we get a Thursday night primetime football game that's destination viewing, that will matter to the way the playoffs are seated this year, that will matter to home field advantage, that can matter to the way the entire NFC shakes out. So forgive me if for 24 hours I'm more obsessed with where Aaron Rodgers is going to be today than I am about where he'll be next year. For all of that, we're trying to learn tonight. What I know is that we're two games into the World Series, and I'm still trying to figure out what we learned there. We'll talk about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Jason Fitz flying solo. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Jason Fitz flying solo, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. If your pet is hurt in a car accident, Progressive pays up to $1,000 in vet expenses with free pet coverage. Visit Progressive.com. And uh, uh, shameless, uh, by the way, speaking of vets, really proud. uh, The movies on Morris, which you can follow on Instagram, the uh, Instagram account that uh, links to the yard display in Nashville that we do every year for uh, for scaring the local community. We always set up this year, there's 35 different horror movies represented over the course of two lawns and animatronics and people out every night scaring. And uh, yet again, this year, we did a, a fundraiser for the Humane Society, raised over $1,000 from the local community in Hendersonville, Tennessee, uh, showing up and showing out. So thanks to everybody that uh, decided to do that. It's a great thing that uh, goes to help animals. You know how much that's important to me. Also, quick note, that's just a total distraction, the World Series we're going talk to talk about. We just had some Guns N' Roses playing as we came back in, and I, I made the mistake of going down the rabbit hole of Spotify recently that had Guns N' Roses, like some of the demo versions of the songs on these, which is one of the coolest things you can find on Spotify. But as I went through the demo versions, I was reminded of how bad a band Guns N' Roses really was until they got all locked in. Like, I love Guns N' Roses, but when you listen to the demo of some of these songs, you're like, oh, man. They, it was not what we would call a tight band. Let's just say it that way. Let's just, you know, go back and listen to those or don't. Uh, I need to get Stosh. I need to get you involved here because Stosh is one of the biggest baseball fans I know. And Stosh, Stosh and I had a moment the other day talking about the fact that I got drawn in to the NLCS. I've got a buddy, Gio, that is a big Dodgers fan. And I found myself watching the games with him. I was mesmerized by it. I was I was brought in to every single pitch of the Braves and the Dodgers. It felt like I was watching a chess match suspensefully, Stosh. So I walked into the World Series thinking, oh, my God, if that's the NLCS, the World Series is only going to top it. And I watched game one, and I thought, man, this just doesn't have the same. Like, have you, as a as a baseball fanatic, have you felt the same intensity out of the World Series that you felt in watching the NLCS specifically? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Uh, I do think there's potential for this thing to pick up, but uh, look, we've had royal beatdowns in each of the first two games, and that first game was a four-plus-hour game. So haven't really felt it yet, but I think it's coming because I think there are some things at play here, especially for the Braves, that are going to make this uh, very interesting next three nights. I also think it's great that you worked royal beatdown in because for anyone that doesn't know, Stosh, big Kansas City fan, so we worked the Royals in. Uh, I the thing that has really surprised me, Stosh, early on in this is 
I thought that the level of hate, uh, vitriol, whatever you want to call it, the level of disgust, we'll say that because I don't love the concept of hate around sports, but the level of disgust for the Astros would carry through to the World Series in some way. And it doesn't feel like it has to me. Like, I feel like Braves fans are very pro-Atlanta and not necessarily anti-Houston. And the rest of the world is just sort of watching, waiting, wondering. But it doesn't feel like uh, we don't have, like, this big Batman versus the Joker, right? Well, I think games one and two are in Houston. (laughs) Fair point. Fair point. You know, there's that. But, um you know, I, I've made this point to some to some friends. I I think Dusty Baker gives his team some likability because people want him to win the title. I I don't think you're wrong, and and I found myself watching it not you know in the NLCS. You know, I I, I really I walked into the NLCS very pro Dodgers. I I'll be the first to admit it. And then uh, as we came through the the process of the NLCS, it's like okay. We're going to get Astros taking on the Braves. It's going to be a great because the city of Atlanta is so high. Ben L. Duncan, good friend of mine, and everybody knows L here. Uh, I love her videos, by the way. Her trash-talking music videos on Saturday where she has a backup band and they, as Georgia fans, trash all other college football fans are a delight. And seeing Harry Douglas, another close friend, big, big, big Braves fan, like I'm feeling the love for the Braves. Not necessarily feeling the hate for the Astros, but you are right, Stosh, that this whole thing now shifts to Atlanta, which I think tomorrow is going to be really interesting. We'll talk to J.P. Aaron Sibia in about an hour, and I'll ask him uh, about this too because I, 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 I feel it and I understand home field advantage in most sports. But Sarah and I have talked uh, very openly in the past about, like, I'm not sure why teams shoot so poorly in the NBA on the road. Like, a rim's a rim. Like, a, a court's a court. I understand in football why, you know, two guys that are absolutely just murdering each other at the line of scrimmage, maybe adrenaline plays a big point. But, Stas, do you think that home field advantage makes a big difference to the just the batter in the moment? Because I'm struggling to feel like, why? Why am I different? If I'm in, if I'm at bat and I'm I'm taking on a pitcher and I'm at home, okay, uh, uh, I don't see a big difference. Yeah, I still think it does. Okay, I I still think there's a lot to be said for home field advantage. I, having I, that crowd behind you. I, I I'm, that's what I'm curious, about. and that's why I resol- That's why I brought Stosh in because Stosh, uh, obviously, a much bigger baseball fanatic uh, than I've ever pretended to be. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I think there's an interesting part of this though, and 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 for me, when I look at the Astros. I think it's a little bit of the conversation around the Astros of the past and the Astros of the now. And I understand everything that's associated with the Astros of the past. The problem is we use the Astros of the now as some reason to sort of explain away any success of the Astros of the past. So because the Astros of the past were cheaters, then we expect that this Astros team is going to prove that the Astros never could have won a World Series without cheating. Now, it's a little bit, uh, this is a controversial take, but it's a little like OJ, right? Like everybody wants to talk about whether OJ did it or didn't do it and whether they planted evidence. And I've always sat there and said, isn't all of it possible? Isn't it possible that they planted evidence and also along with planting evidence, he did it? I mean, these things could not, like one is not a universal truth from the other, right? They're not mutually exclusive, I think it's possible to say, hey, yes, the Astros cheated. And hey, yes, the Astros were also a really, you know what, good baseball team. Like both can be true. And what we've tried to do is we've tried to turn it into, no, the Astros are trash. 
and they only won because they cheated. No, I think there's probably more of a medium ground on this, that the Astros uh, were a very good baseball team that resorted to cheating, and now they deserve whatever punishment they can get. That being said, David Ortiz, three-time World, World Series champion, Fox Sports analyst, has done a really nice job on the broadcast, by the way, was on Greeny with Mike Greenberg, and talked about if the Astros win the World Series, the credit that they deserve. I press the button. The World Series is a hard thing to do, no matter – uh, uh, where you're playing at, if you play at home, if you play in a row, it, it doesn't matter. You know, you got to put the right, you got to make the right move and put the right pieces together to be able to accomplish that. So, in my mind, say, it doesn't matter if you play in the 1960, in the 1980s, in the 19 whatever, in 2000. Winning a World Series is something that is very special, and, and, and everybody, whoever is related to winning the World Series, deserves to get credit. I think there's a, a, a portion for me that what I hope this World Series does, win or lose for the Astros. I, I, again, I don't have a rooting interest in, in any one particular team, at least until the A's move to Vegas. Uh, I, without a rooting interest, what I hope this World Series does is closes a chapter. You know, Will Middlebrook said with us a couple of days ago, a great uh, baseball analyst that I really enjoy, and we love having him on the show. Will said players are already over it. Most players are no longer thinking about the cheating scandal. Sure, some are, but most are not. Fans aren't over it. And I buy that. I buy that. I buy that there's a collective right now that's rooting for the, the Braves in this series. I, I, I buy that. I also buy that this, uh, with the injury of Morton, uh, the, the broken leg, by the way, and then continuing to pitch for three more outs on a broken leg. I mean, my God, I, I, I think this series just got a lot more difficult for the Braves. What I don't want to see happen, hear me out on this, is that we use the injury as some excuse for why the Astros managed to win this World Series, also then excusing why we don't have to give them credit for anything they've ever done good in the past. At some point, we have to sort of move on from whatever the Astros have been, and while you may not have to root for them, we can all acknowledge that they've been punished for their crimes as cheaters, and that will always be part of their legacy. That doesn't mean that always has to be part of their legacy today. Every pitch of the World Series is right here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You can catch Game 3, the Astros and Braves, tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern. That's why uh, we're going to get you some of our fun stuff coming up over the course of the next hour and a half because we won't be here tomorrow. But in the meantime, coming up, a huge game kicks off next hour with a number of key players out. We'll check in on both teams next. This is Spain and Fitz, Jason Fitz flying solo on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Jason Fitz flying solo tonight. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests are going to join us on the Goodyear hotline. Don't forget, you guys can are going to get in on the conversation in just a little bit on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. We'll get to that in a minute. But we get to some Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. One thing we love to do on this show is get you both sides of the coin on what to expect from Thursday Night Football. We're going to do that right now as we get some Straight Talk from John Guimadoro from Arizona Sports 98.7, obviously covering the Cardinals out there. John, really appreciate your time, man. Like I was saying earlier that Cardinals fans have to be just outraged at the lack of national respect. We hear that narrative all the time, but they might be right. I want to start on the defensive side of the ball. How good is this defense compared to every other defense in the NFL in your mind? You know, we thought, Jason, we thought it would be a really good defense. It's it's proven to be great, if not elite. They've held every opponent except for one to 20 points or less. 
Vance Joseph has done a great job, and I keep pushing him for a head coaching job next year with what he's done. You remember they lost Malcolm Butler, and I know Patrick Peterson. He went to Minnesota. So they've been able to scramble and put together a, a fantastic defense. There was some signs last year that it was coming around, but this is one of the better defenses in the NFL right now. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because Isaiah Simmons is somebody that early on, you know, he comes out and he's capable of doing a million different things, and it, it felt like a lot of people were trying to say they didn't love the way he was being used. Uh, now, how do you feel about where Isaiah Simmons is in his development? Well, I love him. You know, he can play five positions, right? right. So, like, you know, when, it, when they're down cornerbacks, and they have it. I mean, they were one game they were down, you know, Marco Wilson wasn't playing, and they were in some trouble. They had Byron Murphy, so they had two of their top corners down. So he could play some cornerback. He can rush the passer. He can cover tight ends. I mean, he's such a versatile player. Now, we didn't get to see a lot of it last year because kind of deer in the headlights and, you know, with the pandemic and everything, he really didn't get the, the proper training. This year, he's really come on. I think him and Zayvon Collins are going to be a great combination for many years to come. But, you know, we, they, everybody loves what they're seeing out of Isaiah this year. Such a versatile linebacker. Again, he can do so many different things that most linebackers can't do. Yeah, I, I always go back to this. Like, if you cover a ton of college football, some early portions of the NFL success is so easy to see. You mentioned Zayvon Collins. Like, you're talking about just a man amongst boys in college. And some of those highlights last year for him were electric. But on the other side of the ball, I'd say the same about Rondell Moore. Like, we were doing weekly rips of... I don't care what his size is at Purdue, he can beat anybody. And early on, we saw a lot of success from Rondell. Now, the the touches get a little bit tougher with the amount of weapons they have. So how does Arizona continue to spread the ball out to as many weapons as they have? You know, here's the thing. It's crazy, right? DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best receivers in the NFL, does not even have a 90-yard game receiving this year. Forget about 100, Jason, not even 90. He hasn't had one 90-yard game, but yet he's got seven touchdowns. I mean, he's got a chance to have, you know, he's on pace for 17 touchdowns. There's only two players in the history of this league that have had 20 touchdown receptions in a season. You're talking to Randy Moss, and I think the other one's Jerry Rice. So they spread the ball around. Everybody's happy. Everybody gets a little piece, three, four, five, six catches. Nobody's dominating. But Rondale's made an impact when he's had the opportunity. And Cliff's trying to find ways to use him. I mean, even as a running back, I mean, it was a game a couple of weeks ago. He had three carries in the game. So, you know, they're putting him in there on some jet sweeps and stuff like that. And, Teams defend the Cardinals outside in, so they like to defend outside with A.J. Green and Hopkins, and that's really allowed, you know, for guys like Max Williams went before he got hurt. And Zach Ertz last week, if you saw that touchdown, and Rondale Moore and Christian Kirk, the inside is where they're really just clobbering teams because teams are defending the Cardinals outside in, putting a lot of emphasis on trying to stop Hopkins and trying to stop A.J. Green. So give me your thoughts quickly before we let you go on J.J. Watt not being a, obviously they won't have him injury could be gone for the year. So what, what does that do to this defense? Well, they haven't said he's gone for the year yet. I, I, I spoke with people in the organization earlier. They said, look, he's going to get a second opinion probably tomorrow and then they'll know more. So, you know, he wants to play. Uh, it doesn't look good, right? I mean, I mean, he played with that. He got hurt in the second quarter and he played with that, you know, for the rest of the game. They're not going to go trade for another defensive lineman. See, when Max Williams went out, they traded for Zach Ertz. They've got enough defensive line depth to where if J.J.'s out for the year, which is really possible, I expect that to happen, um, they've got enough defensive line depth where they'll be able to overcome that without having to make any big trade before the deadline. But a sec, he's looking to get a second opinion just to confirm you know, what the first opinion said, and I think that'll be tomorrow. You guys can listen to him on Arizona Sports 98.7 FM. John Gambadoro. John, thank you so much for the time, man. Really appreciate your insights. Enjoy the game.
You got it, Jason. Take care. All right. So now let's continue the straight talk. Straight talk wireless. No contract. No compromise. By be by flipping over, I should say, to our buddy Jason Wilde, ESPN Milwaukee and the Athletic. Jason, always appreciate your time. We were just getting the Cardinals side of it, and we all know that this Cardinals defense so far this year is playing really well. The Packers without several weapons. How do they attack this defense? Yeah, Jace, first it's great to talk to you. I, look, Aaron Rodgers in one of the most logic-defying statistics in the history of the NFL has led the Packers to a 6-0 and record the last two years when Devontae Adams has missed games with injuries. It is inexplicable. He's been fantastic. 17 touchdowns, one interception. But here's the other part of that equation, and that is, of course, Aaron Jones. In those six games, Aaron Jones has averaged combined – rushing and receiving 124.5 yards per game. He's averaged a touchdown and a half per game, and he's done it on only 19 touches. So he's had some really explosive plays. I think Aaron Jones is the biggest key for the Packers tonight. Uh, do we give Aaron Jones and, and frankly, Matt LaFleur, the offensive mind, enough credit for what they're able to accomplish? Um, I don't know about nationally. I know locally, I think we look at Matt LaFleur as the guy who rejuvenated Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, his 18 season, obviously he played with a fracture in his leg that he suffered in the opener. And obviously he and Mike McCarthy have had kind of, you know, run their course, if you will. But within this offense, he has been excellent. And obviously he's a terrific player and a Hall of Fame player and everything else. But it seems like that marriage, and that's why I still wonder about next year, because I'm willing to bet that Matt LaFleur will be pounding on a table saying, hey, we got to keep this guy. We need him for another year. Jordan's great, but he's our guy. I just think that it's been a great marriage between those two, both in terms of their personalities and the way Rodgers' skill set fits Matt LaFleur's offense. So the other side of it is obviously we were just hearing about the amount of weapons the Cardinals have, and it just feels like they can spread the ball out to anybody. How does Green Bay slow them down? Yeah, they don't, most likely. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they're not. They're not going to have their defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, out with COVID-19. Jerry Gray, who has two different stints as a defensive coordinator, will step into that role. But what they're missing, more importantly, are cover guys. You know, Jair Alexander remains on injured reserve with his shoulder injury. Kevin King is inactive tonight with his shoulder injury. He's going to have missed five of the last six games now. And while they like Eric Stokes, their rookie first-round pick, these are the kinds of growing pain games that rookies can have, especially going against DeAndre Hopkins. So they've got Razul Douglas as their other starting corner. They are thin at that position, and given this group of wideouts, this is not the night to be thin on the corner. Yeah, big picture question here, Wilde. Like I'm, I'm looking at the conversation of who the best team in the NFC is, and I, I want this matchup to really tell me that. But when it's a Thursday night game and you've got two teams that frankly may not be themselves because it's a Thursday night game anyway, and you've got a Packers team that's decimated, how much will we really learn about the power structure of the NFC in this game? Yeah, very little, and I couldn't agree with you more. Tausch and I were talking about it on our show today. It's just you would love to have seen this as a Sunday night game with both teams at at least something approaching full strength, right? You were just talking about J.J. Watt and his injury. I mean, the Packers are going to be without their number one, their number two, and their number three wide receiver. There was some hope they were going to get Marquez Valdez-Scanling back today from IR. They decided to take it a conservative approach with his hamstring, so he's not playing either. I mean, I this is a matchup that, hey, if we see it in January, 
I'd love to see it. But the reality is, is both these teams, I think, saw this game as a potential barometer for just how good they are. And I don't think tonight's going to provide that for either one of them. Yeah, I think you're right. You guys should read them on The Athletic and then also listen to them on ESPN Milwaukee. Jason Wildey, as always, I appreciate your time, my friend. Enjoy the game. Anytime for you, brother. Thanks. Take care. That's some straight talk. Straight talk wireless. No contract, no compromise. Uh, we're going to look ahead to week eight next, but I, I'm also going to dial back to what uh, Wildy just said. There's one thing about tonight that we need to remember. The NFL is making a statement about Thursday night football, and if they really cared about it, there's one thing they could change that would absolutely change the way the game comes across. We'll talk about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Sometimes my fandom influences the way I see certain things, and I never try and hide that. You know, sometimes my fandom for certain sports influences the way I consume them. Sometimes my fandom for certain events influences the way I approach them. I never hide that. And one thing I promised myself when I started in this business is that I'd never lose my joy for all of that because that's why I do what I do. I do what I do largely because of my love of the NFL. Now, I love covering college football. It's my favorite sport to cover. Why? Because I don't have a favorite team. So not caring who wins or loses allows me just to root for chaos. But I care immensely about the NFL as a fan. And that's why I think they're failing us right now. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Jason Fitz flying solo. Don't forget to tune into the ESPN Daily Podcast, getting you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, available wherever you enjoy your podcast. If you go back and listen to yesterday, Sarah Spain and I made a little uh, appearance on there with Pablo, so go check it out. It's uh, good stuff, as we talked about superstitions, and I may or may not have admitted to uh, peeing in a bottle during a game. So uh, that's all the more reason to go. Like, leave it to me to class down the daily in a matter of seconds. Now, in the meantime, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about tonight's game, and I'm trying to think about the point of Thursday night football because you know me. I love it. I want more football. I want all the football I can get. I wanted 17 games. I take 18 games. You want to give me 20 games? Good. I'm good with it. I love the NFL. I love watching the Raiders on Sunday. My whole week changes based on how the Raiders play. I know that. And I love just sitting down and having an NFL game on in the background, whether I care about the result or not. So I've spent most Thursdays telling you why that respective night is a trash matchup because I want to be honest with you. Now we have a great matchup with such significance, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show. But as much as I feel like this game is important, the NFL doesn't. They wouldn't put it on Thursday if they do. I mean, when you start thinking about what's on the line for Thursday night football, it's always a short week. They say it. If you talk to anybody in the gambling world, they'll tell you, man, you are just, you're at that level where you might, you know, you might want to just like check yourself a little bit when you're putting a lot down on a Thursday night football game because you have no idea. Thursday night football is so unpredictable. Who's going to play? Who's not going to play? How is anybody going to feel? Now, the advantage to Thursday night football is you get the coveted mini buy afterwards, right? Like, and everybody loves the mini buy. You get the extra time to get yourself right and get ready. It's a, it's a little opportunity to get kicked in and ready for the following Sunday. So what's the NFL really telling you? The NFL is essentially telling you they want to make sure you're good for Sunday, even if it means you stink on Thursday. If they really cared about the product of Thursday Night Football, if they cared about even the potential, the Cardinals-Packers could turn out to be a game that has tremendous playoff meaning, and it does. If they even cared about that potential, they would flip the mini-buy. Hear me out. Why does the mini-buy always come after the Thursday game? 
why not give the mini buy before the Thursday game? So that what you get is the most rested version. Yes, you have a quick turnaround to the following Sunday, but then you're back into your regular routine. You're telling me that two games in that short amount of time it has such an impact that you need the extra mini buy to get your body healthy. Well, if that's really the logic on it, then maybe we shouldn't be doing Thursday night football games at all. But if we're going to buy the Thursday night football, and I, I and shamelessly, I'll admit that I was uh, flipping through the stations this morning and I heard Mad Dog Sports Radio talking about the importance of Thursday night football on the morning show. The, uh, they were talking about how, you know, it's great. It kicks off the whole weekend, right? And, and it gets you excited for a weekend of football. They were making the argument that Thursday night football is even better than Sunday night football. Well, if that's the case, then just treat it as such. And if we're going to treat it as such, put it on a pedestal. How do you put it on a pedestal? You make sure you give your opportunity for the guys to be as healthy as possible when they play. One of the things the NBA did is they said, look, we're going to make sure that we're not going to have back-to-back games around national TV appearances. Why? Because we want to make sure that everybody's happy with the big TV games so that we know that we've got our stars playing and we don't have healthy scratches. The NFL, man, you're so far behind the eight ball and just being able to play on a short week from Monday to Sunday, you don't stand a chance if you're going from Sunday to Thursday. None. You don't stand a chance to be the best version of yourself. You might be that day. You could be, but you're rolling the dice. I mean, it's a gamble at that point on on what you're even going to look like. And that gamble could actually impact playoff seating. That's the part of this that really just, it bothers me. Like, at least give me, if you're going to give me Thursday night games and you don't care, if you're the NFL and you're like, you know what, I don't care what you think, and believe me, Roger Goodell does not care what any of us think, especially me, but any of us, uh, particularly, just ask him about the Washington football team investigation. Uh, If you're going to come in and say, I don't give a damn what anybody thinks, I do what I want. Cool. At least then do us the one solid of only giving us divisional matchups on Thursday night. Why? Because then you know those two teams are going to play again sometime during the year. You're burning the one chance that the Cardinals will play the Packers on Thursday night that will impact the playoffs in a way that absolutely changes the whole infrastructure of the NFC. For what? That doesn't make any sense to me. And and the more I think about tonight's game, the more I realize it's an opportunity lost for the league. It's an opportunity lost for the Cardinals because a lot of people don't watch the Cardinals every week. I'm sorry, Arizona. I'm just going to – I'm real with you all, right? Like a lot of people are not sitting there saying, oh, destination. Like how many people are turning off the Red Zone channel, which personally is not for me. Like the Red Zone channel, not my thing. How many people are turning off the Red Zone channel and saying, I just want to focus on the Cardinals? No. That's the joy of the primetime game. You get the opportunity to really dial in and focus, to really focus on a team. It's an opportunity to make fans. It's an opportunity to make a new generation of fans. It's an opportunity to generate interest. It's an opportunity to show your stuff. That's why Sunday night football is so significant. That's why Monday night football, which we obviously air, like Monday night football is so special. There's a reason that we put the Mannings on Monday night football and we're not like just putting them on any game willy-nilly on a Saturday. Right? Well, I'm not sure we could afford them on a Saturday, but either way. I mean, when you start thinking about what the league wants, they want every game to be important. So if you're going to give me a Thursday night football game, if you want me to, if it's a throwaway game, just make it a throwaway game. game. Like, put every Jags game on Thursday night. I'm good with that. Like, nobody cares, right? Or if you want to put it in and try and give it some importance, make sure that it's a team, it's two teams that are going to play each other again when they'd have an actual opportunity to see what it's like. 
I think, frankly, if you really wanted to be interesting, the league would never do this. But if you really wanted to be interesting, you get a little bit of the, uh, you know, a home-and-home series. Like, you give me the Thursday night game between the Chiefs and the Raiders. Ten days later, you give me a Sunday game between the Chiefs and the Raiders at the other person's home. Now you've had back-to-back opportunities. You're only prepping for one team, so it helps the prep work that's involved in the Thursday and Sunday game. You get a better sort of uh, opportunity to see how actually balanced the two teams are. I am solving the league's problems right here. I mean, the league doesn't really have a problem. The ratings are huge, and they make money. But ultimately, we're losing an opportunity. Like, it's one thing to laugh at Monday night football or Sunday to Thursday night football. It's one thing to laugh at it. It's one thing to laugh at my ability to speak. It's one thing to laugh at Thursday night football and say, ah, nobody cares about these two teams. But what do you do when it's two teams that everybody's going to care about by the end of the year? And we're just wasting the game. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Jason Fitz flying solo. I've been talking about a lot of different things tonight. You guys have been hitting me up on the Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Been a good time. Uh, getting a lot of conversation here. And I mentioned earlier, I'm not sure who's rooting for what when it comes to the uh, World Series. Angry Angry Bears fan dad, man. Never easy for me to say. We're going to have to worry, work on that. One of our best uh, listeners said, I think Stosh just nailed it regarding the Astros. Dusty Baker gives that team a reason to not hate them fully. Still hate the Astros. I'm just not as vocal about it because I like Dusty. But then I get another tweet like 24 seconds later that says, I don't believe any of the Astro players actually got punished for their cheating. The fact that the general manager and coach were fired and banned for a period of time is barely punishment. The championship should be stripped from this team. So it just shows you like that we are not uh, all on one page. By the way, that was Sloco uh, Jens with that, uh, with that tweet on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. I, I'm all in for it, guys. All I'm saying is this. At some point, no matter what happened before, we got to acknowledge that that's not the problem of this Astros team. That's all I'm saying. All right. In the meantime, one team has taken the NFL by storm this year. One team is shocking everybody. No, I'm not talking about my beloved Raiders for once. But they are the best team right now in the AFC. We'll talk to one of their stars coming up next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Jason Fitz flying solo tonight. And as always, hanging out with you on the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. We're going to head over to the Goodyear hotline because let's face it, sometimes things are going so darn well, you just want to get the perspective of why and how. And to do that, we're joined by Bengals linebacker Logan Wilson. All right, I, I got to just start here. Jordan Cornette, my good buddy, works for the ACC Network, works for ESPN, wears his Joe Burrow jersey to work every single week. He is the flag-carrying guy on campus for the Bengals. And he tells me that we've all been sleeping on this all year and that you guys are a year ahead. When he says a year ahead, when I say that to you, what has been the key to getting you guys this good this fast uh you know i think it's just about having the right guys um in within the locker room and within the coaching staff um and in the front office i think it, it all works together you know i think that coach coach taylor's done you know within the last three years that um he's been there has been um making sure he's getting guys that fit his culture and what he wants and i think it's just, it was just a matter of time before we got you know everyone that we needed in order to kind of put the the pieces of the puzzle together. I mean, stick with culture for a second because we hear it so often for franchises that are trying to figure out how to turn the the corner. What feels different in the halls today than a couple of years ago when you first got there? You know, I think the the one of the biggest things is like we have so everyone on our team is unselfish, meaning, you know, they're they're going to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Um, you know, whatever is asked of them within each game plan is what they're willing to do. Um, whether or not that's 
you know, if you got to take a sacrifice for the team, you got to do this to, to, you know, let someone else make a tackle or make a big play or, you know, things like that. I think that when you have guys like that, that, that are super unselfish with the way that they play and they just do their job, um, usually the results are very good. All right, so Logan, anybody that covers college football for ESPN, and I'm lucky to get to do that, uh, I think we all rolled our eyes a little bit at some of the things that were being said about Jamar Chase, obviously, in the preseason. And now a lot of us use it as constant trolling reminders. For you guys that are out there with him and seeing <laughs> how he's playing right now, I mean, did you, have you seen yeah. a difference in Jamar Chase today than when he first came in and practiced with you guys? You know, I think he still no. He carries himself the same way um, from when he got there to where he is at now. I think he's just the same guy day in and day out. And um, you know, he brings his lunch pail and his hard hat, so to say, and just goes to work every day. And I think that um, you know that's why he's having the success that he's having. Is there anything to you know connections that come from college? Because we talked about it so much with Burrow and Chase coming together. Like, did you see them have a, a quicker chemistry in this system? Uh, I, I mean, I think so. You know, I think that especially because Jamar didn't really play um, last year at all. You know, he he, he sat out. And so um, having that pre-established connection with, that they had at LSU and then they um, kind of got to just pick up where they left off in a sense. Obviously, there's been some time between now and then. But, um, you know, you can definitely see that connection there, especially with as the season's progressed. Now, for anyone that doesn't know your background, obviously you were a defensive back uh, before you played linebacker. How has that sort of helped you in your transition as you come into a new position or a different position in the pros? You know, it definitely helps um, just being able to read a quarterback's eyes, understanding like some route concepts, when to break on balls, um, you know, just everything of that nature that comes into the coverage aspect of playing linebacker. Um, you know, I like you said, I, I had never played linebacker until I – got to college where coach bull moved me there um at wyoming and um you know obviously i'm very thankful and grateful he did that i mean walk me through that process because obviously you get to college and you feel like all right i know where i'm gonna be i know what i'm gonna do i have a a sense of what life looks like and then you get a position change like how does all of that sink in and how did you feel about it in the time yeah i mean when i got there um my my first year there during during the their fall camp um i was taking reps at safety um but then once the season you know started and i was on when i started redshirting i was on scout team as a linebacker so um i kind of got used to the physicality part and i never really um thought much of it that i was playing scout team linebacker and not like scout team safety (laughs) um but then the, the following um you know winter conditioning uh he brought me into his office and told me that he thought it was best to move to linebacker and i you know obviously i wasn't 100% 100% sure on it just because I'd never played it and I was playing it at a different level of football compared to high school. Um, but I just kind of, you know, learned each day, each and every day from the coaches and just kind of took it and ran with it because, um, you know, for me at the end of the day, it was what was best for the team and that was what I was willing to do. All right, but do you still look now back at the defensive backs every once in a while and tell them like what you would have done if you were in that position? Come on, just be honest with us. <laughs> no, no, because because what they have to do at the, at this level is a lot different. I don't, I couldn't do it if like what they what those guys do, like Jesse and Vaughn and Cheeto and Eli and 
and all those guys. I think it's uh, always interesting. We're talking to Bengals linebacker Logan Wilson, Spain and Fitz, Jason Fitz flying solo. I, I love trash talking in a locker room because it's so much fun to see the history of where guys came from. But you play for Wyoming. So, like, uh, on college football Saturdays, are you still getting in on that 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 talk? Or is there, like, is there somebody else that you are trash talking with? Is there a big rival in the locker room on college football t- uh, talk? Uh, not really for us. There's not as many um, guys. I mean, I guess the biggest two are uh, two of um, our strength coaches are played at Fresno. So that's the, I mean, other than that, everyone else is um, from a lot of different conferences, truthfully. So there's not as much crap talking for me. I'm not a big <laughs> crap talker anyway. So, uh, so are you, you're just, when you're on the field, you're sort of go about your business, uh, go about your business next play guy. Yeah, most definitely. Your your Twitter profile though says you're a video gamer. So, what's the go to video game for you when you want to unwind? Um, it just depends. You know, I've been I played Apex, Fortnite, and uh, some Warzone. Those are my main three. Truthfully, there's not really I couldn't tell you another game that I played in the last couple of years other Is, than those three. Are there a lot of guys on the team that are that are gamers? Like, I'm always interested in ways that guys connect and sort of find camaraderie off the field. I think some guys play. I haven't really played much with with any guys. I feel like it's just hard during season sometimes to find the correct time with, that works with everyone to even try to line something out. But um, you know, hopefully this this off season I might have to find someone to to, to game around with. It'd be fun. So for anybody that's just picking up on the Bengals this year, and obviously when you're sitting with the records you guys are sitting in, everybody starts paying attention. And fans get so angry that, you know, we don't know every story and every line. Like, what's the thing about the Bengals that you wish everybody in the media really covered more? Oh, man. You know, that's a tough question. I think that just, I think it just goes back to what I what I said about the culture um, and just about the unselfish guys that we have. Um, you know, everyone's willing to do their one eleventh, so to say. You know, on each and every, especially on defense, um, just doing their part. And then, I mean, I think that one of the, the biggest plays that kind of signifies that is the Jamar Chase when he was blo- went out and blocked for Joe Mixon against the Lions um, and helped him score that touchdown. I mean, that's 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 just what this team is about, and that's just that play right there kind of signifies that. I love it. And by the way, I love Cincinnati. My wife worked at uh, Kings Island for a period of life. So let's get some Cincinnati in here. Are you a big Skyline Chili guy? I have not tried it yet. I'm not a big fast food guy. I kind of eat healthy and maybe for a cheat meal I'll try it, but I've no, I have not tried it yet. I, you know, I think it's weird, but you know, she always tells me I've lost my mind. Yeah. So does that mean you're out on Grater's ice cream too? Cause like, let me tell you, man, like if there's oh, one no. thing that's okay, good. Like we can at least be friends. Then. <laughs> All right. Is there a flavor you go yeah. to for Grater's? Oh, I think I'm a big milkshake guy, so the salted caramel uh, milkshake is my go-to. I'm telling you, man, like I tell people this all the time. I used to tour in music, right? And the best part when you were on tour about playing Riverbend is that you knew backstage at Riverbend was going to be all graders ice cream. And, like, I would eat a week's worth of calories in one day for that show. Like, (laughs) it's the worst show you played because you were on a sugar high all day. So, you know, and and (laughs) are you a roller coaster guy? Like, where are we on Kings Island? You got a favorite ride there? I haven't been able to go yet. Oh man! Truthfully, Logan, we got you know COVID and everything. We're allowed to <laughs> allowed to do it. It's it's tough. 
That is but that is that is. A I need to go eventually. Well, you should check it out. It's it's always great, and most importantly, in all seriousness, it's fun to watch you guys having a kick-ass season. It's great to watch the Bengals be successful. I love it when teams are starting to get shine, and you guys are doing that. Congrats on absolutely killing it this season. We appreciate your time. Best of luck for the rest of the year, Logan. Yep, thank you very much. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80. Jason Fitz flying solo. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, and we're brought to you by Goodyear, making the plays that move you forward. Goodyear, more driven. Yeah, moving on up. That's reference to breaking Major League Baseball news. And, you you know, I, I think this might hurt A's fans' hearts a little bit to hear that that's how we're referencing it. But Bob Melvin will be the new manager of the San Diego Padres, sources confirmed to ESPN. This was tweeted out by Jeff Passan 12 minutes ago, signing a three-year deal and will leave Oakland, uh, as uh, A.J. Casavel has reported. Melvin is regarded as one of the best managers in baseball. He's headed to manage Fernando Tatis Jr. and more. A couple of things that immediately come to me on this. Number one, the Padres are the Padres. And as much as we've joked about it over the course of the year, uh, when we went into the bachelor process for me picking a favorite Major League Baseball team, the, the Padres were constantly in the conversation because of the belief in their star power and the money that they put into the organization for the next 10 years. That did not translate the result on the field. If that doesn't translate the results on the field, then you got to look around and say, hey, we believed in the talent. Something else has to change. So now they go get a great manager that was in an interesting situation. Now I realize that my bias as a Vegas kid plays into this, but uh, I've talked to a bunch of Major League Baseball people over the course of the last few months trying to get a sense of Oakland's future in Oakland, and nobody really knows the answer to that. So if you're Bob Melvin, you're sitting here with an organization that may or may not be moving, may or may not get a new stadium, may or may not have some sort of you know solution to what their process is going to be. And all of that plays into everything about a job. So I, I continue to look at Bob Melvin and say, hey, you had the opportunity. The A's decided to let him go interview, which I don't know how much sense that makes. Like you didn't do that unless you had like a side piece in your back pocket. That's all I keep thinking. Like maybe the A's have really had a crush on somebody else and they've been ready to date. But you're going into a very volatile situation in Oakland because there's just not a lot of things you can say definitively about where that future, where that franchise is going to be for the next three to five years. Stosh, uh, our, our Major League Baseball expert on this show, I will defer to you here. I feel like the Padres a much better job uh, in the sense that there's much better talent there, but now they get a much better manager. Am I off? Terrific hire. Honestly, terrific hire. I think Melvin... Did about as good a job in Oakland as anybody could have. That team does not spend money. And yet, six postseason trips in 11 seasons, I mean, he did a remarkable job there. They could never quite get over the top, but he's a terrific hire. And he's going to go to a team that has spent a lot of money and has tremendous talent. I'm excited to see what he can do there. You know, I, I relate almost everything in life to some food TV show, right? But but Chopped is the analogy I make constantly when it comes to coaches and managers. I want a coach or a manager in this instance that opens up the basket of ingredients and says, all right, this is what I got. I don't want to listen to complain about it. I don't want you to tell me why the basket's not good enough, Brett Bielema. I want you to look into the basket of ingredients, and I want you to make a great dish, that's something that Bob Melvin's been doing, but he's been doing it on an episode of Chopped where maybe it's not filet. He's got filet now. 
Like, that's going to be the real question here. Now he gets, I don't even know question's the right word. That's going to be the real interesting talking point to me is that he's going to get better ingredients to cook with than he's ever had. And not only does he get good ingredients, he gets good ingredients that are young. And he gets good ingredients that are young on contract situations that aren't going to come to bite him in the ass for another 10 years. Right? So we all understand that certain baseball contracts are so bloated that at some point you're paying for something that doesn't give you production. The Padres aren't in that. It's new money. So they got new money going out to substantial talent, and they bring in a manager that's been making chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what, and now all of a sudden he gets to make chicken salad out of a rotisserie chicken that's been slow and low cooking for like a day that's going to be juicy. It's going to come off the bone. Like It feels like this is a really good situation. If I'm Bob Melvin, I am more excited to come to work today than I have been in a long time. He is, I mean, he has made it a career of winning with young players and the again mentioning the A's not spending money so they've really worked the farm system and gone with younger players with all due respect to some of those really good teams and the players he's had he has never had players like Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado so I mean that's just good for him yeah I agree and uh, Spain and Fitz by the way the big news that we've got breaking from Jeff Baston just a few minutes ago Bob, Bob Melvin uh, will be the new manager of the San Diego Padres. And, you know, I realized on a night where we've got Thursday night football and the World Series, we're not going to spend a lot of time focusing on these things. But for the Padres, you, uh, this is a strong indication that they're going to continue to make definitive moves. And I love that. For for a franchise that really needs to set the, the, the tone, I should say, for where they're going and where they're headed, I love every ounce of them being aggressive right now and saying, hey, we got our guy. We're going to go get our guy. I hope he got a bag in the process. I'm sure he did. In the meantime, uh, we are just getting a kickoff in the Thursday night football game. We will keep you updated on that as it continues through. We've got Packers and Cardinals coming up, Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, Jason Fitz flying solo. And uh, I, I think it's interesting because as much as we've talked about the Thursday night matchup and what it means, uh, I, there's another football story out there. And quickly we'll get into this here. Because you guys know how much I cover college football. And uh, by the way, Rankings Reaction comes back on Tuesday. So uh, we're adding yet another digital show to the, uh, to the library of shows. But uh, another opportunity to, to check us out and, and break everything down. My question to you college football fans and, and really casual fans is what do you want? Because I keep hearing everybody's tired of predictability. And we've had more upsets. We've had more top 25 teams lose this year than in any year in college football history to this point. Every single week we get upsets. Is that what you want? Because I'm hearing a lot of people complain about the concept that Wake Forest and Pitt could win out and find themselves in the ACC. We're the ACC champion. We're undefeated. We deserve to be in the playoff conversation. Everybody wants Clemson. But then you say you don't want Clemson because it's predictable. Well, Clemson's not good this year. And now suddenly, uh, what's happened over the last year in life, if you say it, if you put it into the ethos, the world will find a way to prove it's true. Everybody wants something different. You're really excited about the possibility, the possibility that you could end up with, let's just say, a Final Four that's Georgia, Michigan State, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh. You tuning in for that? You say you want that. Is that really going to get you going? If you're a college football diehard, maybe. But if you're a college football casual, remembering that the first playoff games are on New Year's Eve – are you going to leave your New Year's Eve plan? Are you going to leave the love of your life? Are you going to leave that midnight kiss? Are you going to leave everything that you hope happens at 12.05 a.m. all to the side so that you can watch Pitt, Cincinnati for a playoff game? Ooh, 
I, I don't know. Like I, I'm a little curious to see what everybody really wants out of that because college football is giving us chaos, but I still think we're going to end up with a super predictable Final Four. And everybody's going to complain about it, but be careful what you wish for. In the meantime, we'll get back to the Major League Baseball news, obviously, and the Major League Baseball news right now is really focused on the World Series. We're going to talk to a former big league catcher and a buddy of mine as we get set for Game 3 of the series between the Astros and the Braves. That's coming up next on Spain & Fitz. Jason Fitz flying solo on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain & Fitz, the podcast. Let's bring in a former big league catcher, Bally Sports Florida Marlins analyst, J.P. Aaron Sibia joins us. J.P., I watched Games 1 and 2 front to back, which you know is rare for me. I watched all of both of them, and I can't figure out what to take away from two games that look so drastically different. They both look like one team was in control, and I can't take anything away from it. So from your eyes, when you're watching two teams, one dominates game one, one dominates game two. How do you figure out where the series is going? Well, there's a couple things that I think well, you have to look closely, right? I mean, those games, yes, they're, they're, they're lopsided. Both of them were lopsided, so it is tough to take away. But what you take away from game one is obviously Charlie Morton going down and being out the rest of the series. So that being said, Friday, Ian Anderson starts for the Braves. But after that, they don't have anything really after that starter. So it's going to be bullpen game Saturday and Sunday. So when you start to think who's at the advantage, well, I would say that a Houston is a little bit at the advantage right now because they're not going to have to deal with, you know, imagine if Ian Anderson goes uh, short on Friday and you have to use your bullpen to try to fight for a win on Friday. Now you're thinking, holy smokes, we're stuck uh, in a tough place because on Saturday and Sunday we're going to have to rely on our bullpen as well or a Max Fried coming back on short rest on Sunday. So that's where, you know, that's what my takeaway has been. Listen, both offenses are good. Uh, it's going to be a back and forth, but right now, the way it's kind of happened with Charlie Morton, the, the Braves, after losing game two, I think start to maybe uh, go backwards a little bit again because you don't have a Charlie Morton who is ready to pitch on on a Sunday. Yeah, so what do you do in that situation? Because you're not just talking about a guy. You're talking about an important guy, right? Like, So how do you make up for that realistically? Well, you don't. That's the problem, right? That's where, that's where. I mean, I'm sure Vegas odds and different things, as soon as he went down, they, they changed drastically because if you think about it, you know, that's a starter that you would imagine goes five, six, maybe seven innings. He's your horse. That's why you throw him in game one. And now when you're supposed to have him start on a Sunday, you don't have that anymore. And you might have to go back to Max Fried, who's a left-handed pitcher who pitched last night on short rest. But, oh, by the way, Houston Astros are the best hitting team versus left-handed pitching in Major League Baseball. So that's where you you don't make up for it, and you just hope. The one thing which is crazy, and this is what I've heard so far, on Friday the forecast says that there's supposed to be showers So uh, in Atlanta. So imagine if Atlanta, I'm sure, is praying to the rain gods that the rain possibly rain it out, because if it does, then that pushes Ian Anderson back to Saturday and gives them an extra day if they want to have just a, a single bullpen day to allow Max Fried to go back on normal rest, right? So those are the little things that, that can happen. But as of right now, Fitzy, there's no way of making up for losing, you know, a frontline starter. We're talking to former big league catcher and Bally Sports Florida Marlins analyst J.P. Aaron Sibby on Spain and Fitz. Jason Fitz flying solo. And, you know, one of the names that I, I was looking at throughout the playoffs, but really in the World Series, is Bregman, right? And it, it, he just looks lost. Uh, I've talked to you so many times about the mental aspect of hitting. When you can't figure out how to get out of the spiral, what do you do if you're Bregman? 
Well, I mean, he's he's watching tape. He's taking extra swings. If you think about it, remember Freddie Freeman earlier in the playoffs, I mean, he struck out like six at-bats in a row, and that's that was not very Freddie Freeman-like, and he was struggling. And then all of a sudden he had a couple games where he got a couple base hits. It really only takes one swing. It's, it's That's the one thing. You, you, you know that he's trying to press, but, you know, in anything that you do, the harder you try, the worse it gets. So you, you just put the work in before and try to play. But it, it literally can take one swing where he goes, oh, I found it. And all of a sudden, you know, Alex Bregman loves the spotlight. But the good thing is, is, is he also doesn't have to do it all himself. Obviously, Altuve, you have Jordan Alvarez, who's been on fire. You have Correa. You have guys in the Guriel in that lineup that will pick up for you so where he doesn't have to feel like he is the guy. One of the most interesting things to me in the World Series in general is the switch uh, to an NL park, right? Like, the, the the rules are totally different. I'm still trying to wrap my brain around the fact that we, we change everything just because we change the park we're playing in. So, with the change that comes in moving to Atlanta, who do you think that does that benefit? Well, well obviously, I mean, the Braves and National League, that's why I think it stinks. I think that there should be a <laughs> DH throughout baseball in general, but it, it – Think about it. You have a, a pitching staff of guys who have hit the entire season or a pitching staff of guys that have just hit an interleague play and pretty much, I mean, are an out. And then when you talk about Max Fried, Max Fried was a guy who had a walk-off hit this year and he hit. You know, like He's a good hitter. And then you talk about their starters that don't ever swing the bat, they stink. It's going to be tough. They're completely – it's almost like an automatic out. Obviously, you can't stay an automatic out, but it is. So – Definitely Houston's at the disadvantage, but that being said, remember what we talked about, Morton going down, that's two bullpen games possibly, and the bullpen never hits in the National League because you're usually getting pinch hit for. So, you know, they're going to have some guys that have to swing the bat that are probably not used to it either. All right, so complicated question, possibly easy answer. We'll see. It's a two-part question. What's the best team right now of the two? Which team is better in your eyes, but who wins the series? I still think the Braves, 50, they have that magic this, this postseason. They, they knocked off the Dodgers, which were the second-best team in baseball. I, I still love the Braves and what they've been doing. They're going back to Atlanta. They, you know, they split in Houston, so you're still in a good spot when you split with a team at their home ballpark. you got three at home, which they've been undefeated at home this, this playoff. So I still think that Atlanta is going to pull it off, and I do think that they're a, a better team with the, with the mojo they have. Uh, Astros may get the nod offensively, but I still think, you know, the way that this team, the magic that they have in the playoffs, you know this, you want the hot team, the team that's rolling. So it's when you start talking about home field advantage, not not from a strategy point, but just from the adrenaline and the momentum of playing in front of a crowd, like how does it actually change anything for, you know, Atlanta being back at home? Not from a strategy point, but from like an individual at bat in front of a home crowd. Oh, I mean, when you're playing at home, obviously you have the advantage. You have the, the excitement, I mean, your your focus goes up. You know that this is a team, you know, this is a, where you where you pretty much have played all year and your fans uh, are the ones that give you that extra energy, that extra bit of, of adrenaline and in a good way, right? I mean, that's the biggest thing is you know that they're there to support you. Also, the other thing is, you know, when you're back at home, you're used to your locker. You're used to your bed at home. You're used to the tools that you have at your stadium that prepare you for a game. So those are the biggest things. Uh, you know, that I think that allow you to be at the advantage. But obviously, anytime you're playing in front of the home crowd and the home team, you're, you're definitely at a, at a different level, uh, I would say, that, that you would be anywhere else.
You guys can follow him on Twitter at JP Aaron Simeon 9. JP, as always, my friend, thanks for the expertise. Thanks for the breakdown, brother. Appreciate you. All right, you got it. See ya. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Insurance, proud to support veterans with its annual Keys to Progress vehicle giveaway program. This is always so cool. Now celebrating nine years of donating vehicles, helping veterans in need. All you have to do to learn more is is go to keystoprogress.com. The Cardinals have scored a touchdown early on the 7-0 Cardinals, leading the Packers 7 to nothing. And by the way, Gail, one of our favorites, hit me up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, uh, news from Spain and Fitz Nation. She said, I still remember the New Year's Eve that my guy and I went out, but it was like pulling teeth to get him to leave his seat at the bar since there he could watch the Michigan State Spartans in the playoff game. Not the best New Year's Eve. We should have stayed home. See, that's an important thing because earlier we were talking about what do you want? And and what do you want is going to become an important question for college football fans to answer over the course of the next several weeks. This weekend is a massive weekend of great college football games. I don't I don't lie to you all about that. This this is the sort of weekend where like whatever your honeydew list is, save it to Sunday because the Saturday games are better. I mean, Michigan-Michigan State is already one of the best rivalries in college football every single year. But now you get Michigan-Michigan State. Not only is game day there, Fox is there. Like, both pregame shows are there because we all know it's the biggest thing. Barstool's there. Everybody's there in East Lansing. Why? Because this is Michigan-Michigan State, and this is the first time they've ever played this late where both teams are undefeated. There is legitimately a shot at the college football playoff on the line for a Michigan team that runs the ball better than anybody expected them to be able to run the ball. They got two guys that can absolutely just gash you against a Michigan State team that's been susceptible to the run. But conversely, Mel Tucker has turned around with 26 transfers on this roster and rebuilt Michigan State overnight. Michigan State has competent offense. Like You were going to see two teams that can score from anywhere. Kenneth Walker, by the way, just, oh, I mean, a delight to watch run. Like, this is going to be a great, great matchup. You also, though, sticking with the Big Ten, got Penn State taking on Ohio State in a game where both teams are clinging to the hope that if you can make it through the gauntlet that's known as the Big Ten through the end of the regular season, you got a shot at the playoffs. I mean, uh, this is where you got to, right now, if you ask me today, Ohio State's playing like one of the four best teams in the country. They have a loss. They're going to make up for that loss because they have, as I always say, runway ahead of them. Okay, they got enough space ahead of them. Tuesday, we'll find what the college football committee really thinks about everything. My fear for Cincinnati fans is that if you're not number two in this ranking, you're never going to be number two. Right, because you don't have the runway left ahead of you. If you're a Cincinnati fan and you're sitting there trying to negotiate why SMU winning enough to continue to be ranked gives you the, the, the leverage ahead, look at who everybody else is playing. But this is part of what we're going to end up with. You got one or two scenarios happening this year. One of two. Scenario number one, we have all of this chaos, all of these upsets. Everything's twisted. Everything's wild. Oh, my God. But you realize that Alabama wins the SEC championship game, beating Georgia, which means they both go to the college football playoff. At the same time, Oklahoma wins through in a weak Big 12. They go to the playoff. And Ohio State wins out in the Big 10. They go to the playoff. Now you got Oklahoma, Ohio State, uh, Georgia, and Alabama. The foremost predictable, like if I'd have told you coming into the season, you'd have barfed all over it, and then you would have told me repeatedly for two hours that that's what's wrong with college football. It's too predictable. In a year where we've had nothing predictable every single Saturday, we could end up with the most predictable possible Final Four. Think about that. Oh, and I'm not sure that's a win for the league, for, for the sport, for college football. I'm not sure that's really a win. 
because everybody says they want something different. But then the proof's in the pudding, right? Look at the other side of it. Okay, fine. Let's play a magical scenario out. Georgia goes because Georgia's the best team in the country. Outside of Georgia, let's say that we get, all right, Cincinnati makes their way to the playoff, something that I would love to see happen. It's awesome. Cincinnati makes their way to the playoff. Let's say Wake Forest wins out. Somehow Wake Forest gets in. The, 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 we're going to imagine in this scenario that the Big Ten teams all beat up on each other, right? So the Big Ten teams have all crushed each other. They're all out, out of it. So all of a sudden, you get. let's put Oregon in for the fun of it. You got Oregon, Georgia, Cincinnati, and Wake Forest. You skipping your New Year's Eve plan to watch Wake Forest take on Georgia? I don't think so. And now I'm not talking about the junkies. Now, I'm not talking about the guys that are like and girls that are sitting there saying, well, yeah, it's a college football playoff game. I'm talking about the person that's sitting there trying to figure out if they're willing to spend 40 bucks on the queen cover band playing on New Year's Eve, right? They're sitting there like, all right, I got a date. All right, I've been, I've been, I have my eye on this girl all season long. Man, really think this is it. This is, you know, this is, this is the, the time. Clock's going to strike midnight. Could could even be some hibbity dibbity involved. You gonna leave all that aside for college football when it's Wake Forest taking on Georgia? I would lo- uh, like me personally. Heck yeah, huh? I mean, I'll put my feet up and watch that game all day, every day. Feel good about it too. And I'll be the old guy that's sitting there, you know, eating the popcorn, saying, "I'm just glad I missed the crowds on New Year's Eve." Right? But that's me. The ratings will be historically bad for that. And that's the lose-lose because we keep talking about ratings. And, and look, we try on this show particularly not to focus on that one metric. But the fact is, if you're a college football head, you have to be a little concerned about the fact that the college football playoff itself hasn't done as well over the last few years in the ratings game, largely because it's been very predictable. And is it really going to be unpredictable if we watch Cincinnati lose by 40 in the first round of the playoff? I, I mean, we finally get a group of five team in. Like this is the no win situation that everybody's found themselves in. It reminds me a little of college basketball because every single year, what we want to see in the first round is a massive upset, but the ratings have always shown that what we want to see in the championship are blue bloods. When Butler played Duke, nobody watched Butler had a chance to beat Duke for a national championship. Y'all didn't watch. You said you want the upset. Everybody wants the, the wild Michigan State losing to MTSU in the first round, like the 15-2 game, right? When college football playoff ha- expansion happens, and I do believe it will happen, everybody's going to be rooting for a 7 to beat a 2, a 6 to beat a 3. Like, that's great because you can still get a shot at getting two brands that you actually care about in the college football national championship game. I'm just not sure. On a weekend of great college football action. I didn't even mention, by the way, Ole Miss uh, taking on Auburn. Like, got an SEC matchup that, uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm still not sure Bo Nix is somebody I would ever put money on one side of the ball on the other. And I'm pretty sure that, that uh, Lane Kiffin is just the music man, like a total snake oil salesman, but it's still going to be a fun game, right? And a weekend of amazing games in college football. The question is, what are you really rooting for and why? And what's going to keep you engaged? I genuinely want to know. In the meantime, I uh, I really appreciate you guys hanging out with me. Obviously, we're not going to be here tomorrow, but continue to listen to the ESPN Radio family throughout the course of the weekend. Thanks so much for tuning in to Spain and Fitz. Jason Fitz flying solo. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.